This morning's reading is taken from the book of Acts, and it's chapter 3, verses 1 to 10, and it's entitled, Peter Heals the Crippled Beggar. One day, apparently I was supposed to hold this microphone higher, there we go. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, at three in the afternoon. Now a man, crippled from birth, was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going up into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Thank you, Andrew, very much indeed. So we're continuing our challenge section of our longer series on welcome, love, challenge and grow. And as we come this morning, we focus especially on the bold action of Peter and John in that story and the challenge of active faith. So just to take a moment perhaps to give a little bit more about the background of this story and then to come to what it's specifically saying to us today. Here was someone who had been crippled from birth and was now over 40 years old. And therefore one might assume that uh, this person was well known in Jerusalem. Indeed, it appears that he might well have been carried to the temple courts every day. I quite like this picture because it just highlights the dependency of this person upon other people to carry him, to take him to the temple courts to beg for money. And as far as we can tell, he gathered at the beautiful gate. And that is presumed to be on the eastern side of the temple. So uh, the temple in the time of Jesus looked something like this. Uh, It's a reconstruction, obviously, but it's based on the information that we've got, Herod's magnificent temple. And uh, there I have circled what many people think will have been the beautiful gate. And that's very significant that the man himself was outside of that gate daily and asking for money and that the miracle took place precisely there because in the area around was the courtyard There were many, many steps to get up onto that courtyard, more steps to get up to the beautiful gate itself. And then beyond that, uh, what one might call the more restricted areas of the temple itself. And if we might follow the story and assume from what the text tells us that here was someone who was carried very regularly to this place Uh, in order to beg for money, then every indication is that Peter and John would have walked past this man many times. And indeed, it's not impossible that Jesus himself 
would have walked past this man many times. Uh, if he was regularly at that place, such a strategic location, the way into the temple, and if he had been there many times over many years, then there's every likelihood that uh, the disciples would have known him as well as many other people in Jerusalem. But this moment, when Peter and John came to the temple, was different. And the Spirit took hold of Peter in this moment. And as Peter and John were about to enter into the temple area, Peter looked straight at him. John looked straight at him. And Peter asked him to look at them. And then he said those amazing words, silver and gold, I do not have. But what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. What a remarkable moment. When someone had been there for so many years in that condition, had been carried there so many times, and yet on this moment, the Spirit of God brought about such a remarkable miracle. Let's think of for a moment about the consequence for this lame man, first of all. Then we'll think about the consequence for Peter and John. And then we'll look a little bit at boldness of faith today. What about this person? Well, of course, he was healed. And that was the greatest amazement for him. It kind of links to the story of the man who was lowered through the roof in Capernaum, do you remember, by four friends in order to get close to Jesus. And Jesus told him to pick up his mat and to walk. There's no discussion in this about uh, this particular man's faith or knowledge of Jesus. All we know about him is that he had been lame for many years, that he'd been carried to this place many times and was asking for money. But there was this bold and extraordinary claim by the disciples. As the disciples said to him, what I have, I give to you. Get up and walk. It was entirely the work of God's grace. It was a powerful expression of the Holy Spirit. There was something unique and incredibly special about this particular moment. And for this man who had been lame for so many years, he discovered that there was a wholeness to be found in Jesus that would not be found anywhere else. And when we look a little bit more closer at the story, we find that as well as it being a miracle of healing, it was also a miracle of access. Because his friends would not have been allowed to carry this person any further into the temple. The temple, if you like, was a succession of no entry signs. And so everyone could go into the courtyard, but fewer people could go into the next section, and fewer people could go into the next section, and so on. But after the miracle of healing, we read that this man went into the temple. He could join his fellow Jews in the inner courts of the temple. He had access to a place that was previously barred from him. And of course, it wasn't much, uh, it wasn't very long previously that something else very significant had happened in the temple. At the time when Jesus was crucified, and remember, this story comes just after Pentecost, so we're only going back uh, a matter of weeks to the time when Jesus himself was crucified. And of course, at that moment in the temple, the curtain had been torn from top to bottom. And an access had been brought into the very heart of God's presence. 
And we, of course, today have access to the heart of God's presence through Jesus Christ. And just as this man had access into the center of the temple because of that amazing miracle that was uh, carried out through Peter and John, so there is a genuine sense in which we all have access to the heart of God through what Jesus has accomplished when he died on the cross. And we may need to make sure that this gift of God is accessible to everyone today, that everyone is welcome and everyone is treated equally and our prayers are for God to touch every person with his life-giving spirit so that there might be a discovery of faith and an access into the very heart of God's presence. So the consequences of this story for this lame man were wonderful. He was healed, he could enter the temple, he could rejoice with his fellow Jews and so on. We don't know how much more he discovered concerning Jesus, who had, of course, been crucified shortly before, risen from the dead, in whose name Peter and John conducted this miracle. We don't know how much more he discovered of Jesus. We don't know how his journey of faith continued. But we do know that God spoke to him very powerfully in this particular moment. A great story for the lame man himself. But what about Peter and John? Was it such a good story for them? What were the consequences for them that God had worked through them in this remarkable way and this amazing event had happened? Well, if we read on, and we really have to read the whole of Acts chapter 3 and chapter 4 to get the full story of what happened to Peter and John, but the reality is that it wasn't quite such an exciting moment for them. The consequences for them were that they were put in prison overnight, and then they were interrogated. Initially, people came running to them in excitement, and Peter started to preach, but then the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees arrested them, put them in prison. And the next day, they spoke in defense of their actions, saying it wasn't them. It was Jesus who had healed this man. It is Jesus who brings new life, who brings wholeness, who brings access into the very heart of God's presence. The leaders in Jerusalem didn't like what they were hearing from Peter and John. They told them to keep quiet. But of course, Peter and John refused to do so. And that makes me think, where is the climax of this story? What is the key moment in this story? Was it the moment when the lame man was healed? That was incredible enough. Was that the key moment? Or was it when he was able to go into the temple after years and years and years of being barred from it that he had access to them? Was that the key moment? Was the key moment when crowds began to get excited and listen to Peter as he preached to many, many people? Was the key moment, and I skipped over this just now, the fact that as a result of that preaching, the number of believers grew to 5,000. Remember, it was 3,000 on the day of Pentecost. I don't know how many days later we are now, but it's 5,000. Was it that Peter and John responded well to the rulers and the teachers of the law when they were interrogated? Where is the climax of this story? I believe that the climax of this story is beyond all of those incidents, important though they are, 
The climax of this story is in chapter 4 and verse 20, where Peter and John say to those in authority, we cannot help but speak of what we have seen and heard. We cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Nothing is going to stop us because the Spirit of God is working. Jesus is alive. There is good news for all, and you can say what you like, but nothing is going to stop us from speaking and living for Jesus. That, to me, is the climax of this story. It's amazing that one person was healed. It's amazing that he had access to the temple. It's amazing that Peter preached to the crowds, that another 2,000 people were converted, or many more, maybe. These things were all amazing. But what was so remarkable was that when put under pressure, Peter and John said, nothing's going to stop us speaking about what we've seen and heard. Our challenge this morning is a challenge for active faith. Active faith. Can I ask you to put yourself in the shoes of Peter and John? There will be many people who pass by every single day Not necessarily those who sit begging, but many people who have all kinds of needs hidden inside their hearts and lives. Very few of you will go through 24 hours without meeting anyone else. And some of you will encounter large numbers of people each working day. And others of you will pass by significant numbers on a typical day. What is Jesus calling you to do? As you put yourself in the shoes of Peter and John. That just as the Holy Spirit took hold of these early disciples, gave them courage and boldness to go to the lame man and to say in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. To go into the temple, to preach to the crowds, to say to the authorities, nothing is going to stop us. There was a boldness about them which was exciting to read. What is Jesus calling you to say and to do today that reflects that kind of strength and boldness? Just one or two thoughts. That Jesus is calling us, first of all, to believe that the name of Jesus is powerful. I think sometimes because of 2,000 years of history and uh, the life of the church that has become something of an institution, we just lose sight a little bit of the powerful name of Jesus. That we are dealing with the almighty, risen, ascended, returning Son of God whose name is powerful today. I wonder, does that really ring true in your heart? Do you really believe that the name of Jesus is powerful to change people's lives, to bring hope, to bring life, to bring light? Not every person who is uh, sitting unable to walk will suddenly get up and leap and dance and praise God. But every person has the opportunity of discovering the powerful name of Jesus bringing a transformation 
about their lives. Do you really believe that? Because I think you need to, and I need to believe it in our hearts if we're going to in any way reflect something of the boldness that we see of Peter and John in this story. We really need to believe that the name of Jesus is powerful. And if you haven't yet come to the place of declaring that faith openly by being baptized, then that's important too. Those who believed in response to the preaching of, preaching of Peter on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 of them were baptized. The believers in this story grew to 5,000. And we had every reason to assume that they were baptized as well. And the pattern clearly and consistently through the New Testament is that those who believed were baptized. And then commit to praying for people. I'm praying boldly for their healing. There was something distinctive about this miracle, and we acknowledge that. But it does challenge us to the boldness of our faith. Because God is able to do so much more than we ask or imagine. It's not our place to say what the outcome of any prayers of healing might be. That's in God's hands. But it is in our place to pray for people, to entrust them to God's care, to ask for God's spirit to come and to bring that powerful work of transformation into their lives. To be bold in our prayers. And then speak openly about your faith and that you come to church. Just as we were saying to the children, so we say to everyone, this is a great place to be. And it is here that we rediscover the wonders of that faith that we have in Jesus Christ and nurture it by encouraging one another along the Christian way. So don't hide the fact that you come to church. Speak openly about that and speak openly about what Jesus means in your life and the difference that he's made to you. Listen to the voice of God for your career. We were talking earlier about children and young people and university students, and just going a bit beyond that in terms of age, it's interesting how many people in recent years from our congregation here are engaged in work now across the country and across the world, which is clearly in response to the call of God. It may be missionary work, as we would traditionally describe it, or it may be vocational work, which emerges out of that definite sense that they believe that God has called them to be in this place at this time and doing this task. And that's the attitude that we all need to take with regard to our life and our work. Listen to the voice of God. Where is God calling you to be and to do? And how can you live for Jesus in that particular uh, career path and location? And then identify those God moments which will come to you. My preparation of this particular sermon was interrupted by someone who called here and wanted to have a conversation about a house where there seemed to be a demonic spirit. Isn't that extraordinary? That as I was preparing a sermon about being bold, about the power of Jesus, someone came and asked, uh, about how they dealt with that particular situation. Not asking me to go, but asking how they might be involved in that particular situation. 
it was a God moment that came just at the time when my mind had been focusing on these kind of things. Seek out those people in need to whom you can reach out a hand and in the name of Jesus bring hope into their lives. It doesn't need me to elaborate on the levels of pain and suffering and hardship that many people are encountering at the moment, both across the world and very much in our own community and our neighborhood. We need to seek them out. We need to be very much alert to those who are not here today as well as those who are here. Those who we know where perhaps something is going a little bit uh, not right at the moment and where that thoughtful and prayerful and caring presence can make all the difference. The book of Acts is exciting primarily because it is unpredictable. Where the Spirit led the various characters in the story and what they did in different places, no one could have mapped out the book of Acts before it happened. It was so unpredictable. And that's how church life should be. No one can map out the next year because the Spirit of God is taking hold of your life and my life and bringing an active, bold faith that enables you to make a difference in the lives of others, just as Peter and John made such a difference to this lame man. And then finally, to share the stories of what God is doing. So that as there are those moments where the Spirit of God is at, at work, that we don't feel that, uh, that we need to be shy about that, but we share the stories, and that brings encouragement to everyone.